Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Denzel. It's Friday. I have a new episode of my other show, Unfound, coming out today. Missing Person Show set a new record for downloads this past week. Very excited about that. Hopefully that show continues to grow. If you haven't checked it out, if you maybe are into mysteries and disappearances, things like that, you may take an interest in that show. And it kind of shows, I think, a little uh, different side of me, a very real, genuine side, but a little bit different side of me than you usually get to hear here. Yes, I just said that here, here. So maybe you want to check it out that out. This weekend, you can subscribe at iTunes, and if you really like the show, you can give it a nice review there. Can I tell you how happy I am that baseball season is here? Really am. I, it's, it's been weird for me that there was a time, and it really wasn't that long ago, that I was all about the Steelers, and baseball, or at least for the Pirates, were very, very secondary to me. I guess mainly because the Pirates weren't very good. But I will tell you that I started getting into them before they started getting good again. I started listening to them and following them them again in like 2011, I'm going to say. I don't even know what it was. I was still living in Las Vegas. I don't know why it is. But I said, you know what, I'm going to give these guys another shot. And I've been following them very closely Since then, I've really enjoyed it. And the Steelers, although I followed them this year and saw the games, um, you know what's weird for me is like having to wait a week for another game. Uh, Maybe hockey kind of splits the difference, and I'm not into hockey, but hockey is what, two games a week, maybe three games a week? Of course, baseball can be seven days a week if they're not getting any days off. But with football, it's... One game a week, seven days, six days, seven days between games. And it just feels long to me, even though I know the baseball season is terribly long, but it seems to go fast because you get so many games. And every night, if the Pirates don't play well tonight, well, you can get them back tomorrow night. With football, you have to wait an entire week. And uh, granted, I wish that the Steelers would have beaten the Super, uh, would have beaten the Patriots, Patriots, and gotten to the Super Bowl and won and all of that. But uh, now that it's over, I'm just over. I'm just over it. Don't think about it that much. I don't have any ill will now. They lost to the Patriots, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl. It's totally out of my mind now. I'm spring training's here. Pirates and all the other teams are going to their southern locations to practice. And there'll be spring training games, and then come April, the real games will start, and I'll be able to listen to it on my phone while I'm playing disc golf. It's going to be beautiful weather here in Florida, and I'm looking forward to all of that. I'm just happy it's here, and I'm hoping the Pirates uh, can at least get back to the wild card this year. Let's hope. I don't know. It's going to be tough with those Cubs in their division, but I'm just really happy uh, the balls and bats and gloves are back out, and maybe also because baseball reminds me of my youth. I was a pretty decent baseball player back in the day, decent pitcher, got some awards and things, so maybe that helps too. Maybe that reminds me of that as well. Let's get to the show. So this guy, Vice Admiral, retired Vice Admiral, Bob Harward, 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 
H A. I want to say Harvard, but it's a W instead of a V. Harvard, H A R W A R D. Have not heard his name pronounced because, as you know, I do not watch my news. I read it. Now that Mike Flynn is out, this Vice Admiral Harward has been asked to – and I'm going to have problems with that that name this whole part of the show – has been asked to be the next national security advisor, and he has turned it down. Uh, You get the idea that the administration was really, really, really hoping that he would be the guy. However, he has issued a very, what I would call, very political statement saying that he just doesn't know, he doesn't know if he can balance doing that job with the other commitments that he has made in his life with his family and other things. If you don't know, he is an executive, a, a very high up executive. At Lockheed Martin, the aviation technology company, and overseeing their United Arab Emirates division, which might have maybe kind of forecasted maybe the reason that they wanted him in that position. Maybe they're thinking about doing some things over there, which in my mind is not all bad. Uh, He is an ex-SEAL. And had been with Lockheed Martin uh, in various positions, working his way up to that position over 30 years. So he's an older guy. But he has turned it down. And like I said, the public statement is very political. Kind of like that politician who says he is going to run for office, going to try to run for office again, I should say. And then backs out and says, well, I want to spend more time with my family. Do you believe that, or is it because he thought he was going to lose? Or maybe there was some scandal that was going to come out if he continued to run? And so when I see a statement like that, I start looking at it behind the scenes, and it's not hard to find uh, these statements that this guy has made. This, I'm going to say, this retired vice admiral has made. That he called the job... I'm going to say the use the nice words because this is an adult. This is a, a family show, a crap sandwich, and he's kind of right. I have to tell you that I realize that he, as a as a military member, former military member, and being in the defense industry, he probably feels like he has a responsibility if asked to serve. On the other hand. He has to be looking at what happened with Mike Flynn and maybe some of these other things that have gone on so far and say, you know what, I'm doing plenty for my country right where I am right now. With Lockheed Martin, looking over the Middle East, seeing what we can do over there. Grant, I'm working for a private company, but I think I'm doing plenty. And that seems like a job that is going to be uh, a little thankless. And he'd probably be right. And he's probably looking – May I, who knows how he feels in particular about Mike Flynn, whether they like each other, maybe never met. Who knows? Uh, he might be looking at this Mike Flynn situation and saying, you know what? I probably would have talked to the Russian ambassador too. I probably would have been honest about it, but is it really worth it? 
Because I have to tell you, and, and granted, I'm biased. <laughs> you know that. Uh, I have been extremely critical of Donald Trump from the beginning. In fact, I was critical of him well before he ever thought about running for president, ever jumped into the race in 2015. I haven't liked him going way back years and years and years and years, even before his TV show. I I just think he's a a pompous idiot. Always. Whether I didn't didn't even care about his politics. And... It would have to be tough for a person of character to serve in an important – where you're an advisor to the president. Keep in mind, this is a little bit different than a cabinet position where, you know, it's not like these cabinet members have to show up at the White House every day. Each of these departments, uh, the attorney general's office, the Department of Labor, the Department of Education, they have their own buildings. They have their own bureaucracies. All over the United, all over the Washington D.C., all over the United States, and those cabinet members probably could go months without being in the same room as Donald Trump. Maybe they talk to him once in a while on the phone, depending on what their position is and what's going on. But they don't have to like do photo ops with him, and they're not necessarily advising him on decisions. Uh, that he has to make, uh, maybe except for you know Secretary of Defense, maybe is a good you know is a, maybe a contradiction of that, but for the most part, these people are overseeing bureaucracies, and granted they're supposed to do what Donald Trump wants, but they aren't advising him, and and except for like the Department of Defense, it's not like like people's lives are in danger, okay. So they can kind of stay at arm's length from him even though they have to listen to him. And if they do something wrong, they're going to get crap from him and all of that. But they're not necessarily advising him on a daily basis. Whereas a national security advisor is a daily job interacting with a president all the time. Because there are so many national security concerns all over the, all over the world. And the United States is involved in all of them. And the president, as commander-in-chief, needs to know uh, what's going on. And he needs people you know, who have expertise in those areas to let him know and how to kind of decode the information. What does this mean? Would you like doing that for Donald Trump? Really? You'd have to see him on a... Probably on a daily – at least talk to him on a daily basis. Be probably eyeball to eyeball with him, definitely on a weekly basis. (laughs) And knowing how he makes decisions, knowing his personality, knowing that it's hard to tell whether he takes anybody's advice at all anyway, you – you put that on top of all of the statements that he has made about what's going on in the world and saying how he has his own sources of information. I'm going to ask you, outside of the intelligence network of the United States, remember he said that you know, going back you know, toward, I, I guess, during the campaign, the presidential campaign, not the nomination process, but during the campaign, and he has his own sources. 
Would you really want to deal with that? Uh, Mike Flynn, of course, took it on, but I, I'm still not sure what to make of Mike Flynn. I respect his service to the United States, but there was, I, I think, concerns about him from the beginning. Once again, going back to it, he's a Democrat. He's a little bit of a conspiracy kook, has a big mouth, seemed the most dangerous place seemed to be between him and a camera. So it kind of makes sense. You, you say all those things, and it's kind of like makes sense that he was picked by Donald Trump to be national security advisor. Democrat, loves the attention, a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. That sounds like Donald Trump to me. Whereas this guy, this Harward, Harward, man, I wish I knew how to say his name. I, he, he doesn't sound like that. In fact, I, I'm reading some, some news articles out there. Nobody even knew. I mean, maybe somebody's heard of him, but they didn't even know that he was an executive for Lockheed Martin. Had no idea. So he's been a very low-key guy. I don't know if he's ever been interviewed by anybody about anything regarding national security in the United States. He certainly has not been on Fox News. That Maybe he's been on there once for something. Maybe. I don't know. But certainly hasn't been on there as much as Mike Flynn was <coughs> going back uh, through the campaign. Going back through the nomination process and the last – I mean Mike Flynn, you got the idea. He loved being on there, and once again, it makes sense that he would be a pick for Donald Trump. This guy, not so much, but he said, you know, I don't want the job, and I'm not inclined to believe these political statements that these people make, men and women, when they turn down uh, an influential job – or they decide that they're not going to run for office again. There's usually some underlying reason that they don't want to talk about. And I'm going to guess it's what you hear behind the scenes. That he saw the job and said, you know what, that sounds like a crap sandwich. You really want me to be seen with uh, Donald Trump all the time? Me advise him? He's not going to listen to me. <laughs> so, and I, you know, my fear... I don't know if it's a fear, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me, is that this is a continuing theme with Donald Trump's uh, administration as it goes on. Remember, we're not even a month in. Uh, I've made the, the, the statement that these cabinet members, we'll see how long they last. We'll see. We'll see how long Elaine Chow wants to be around and Jeff Session wants to be around and Rex Tillerson wants to be around. Maybe they'll make it all four years. And, you know, some of them leave and Donald Trump gets reelected after four years and some of them leave. That's expected. That's I'm not going to criticize any of that at all. No problem with that. But my concern is a year ducking out after a year and a half. That usually is a bad sign. Usually. And I think back to the, uh, of course, it was for a little bit different reasons. Going back to Ronald Reagan's uh, administration, that uh, Alexander Haig got booted. And I think that more had to do with what happened while, when uh, 
Ronald Reagan got shot and how Alexander Haig acted around that time. And I don't know how well he got along with Nancy Reagan. He was out after like a year. Uh, This situation would be a little different. And I think it was Alexander Haig, I think. And um, you wonder if these people were to leave. They say, well, you know what? I have this opportunity to be the president of this law school or this university or something. Will Donald Trump be able to get decent people? As everybody has said so far, at least on the right, most of the picks that he has made, and we're going to get into one of his picks maybe before the show's over, have been decent picks. Not horrible. Jeff Sessions, decent pick. Rex Tillerson, concerned about his Russian ties, so we have that one. Elaine Chow, decent pick. Betsy DeVos, decent pick. That's driving teachers nuts, by the way. Absolutely driving teachers nuts. I'm just going to leave it at that. So some of these picks have been decent. The, the question is, if they leave, can you get other decent people to take those positions? Or are you going to run into a situation like you're running into with this national security advisor position where the next guy you go to says he'd rather spend time with his family? You know, this is, uh, this is a concern because you can say all you want, and conservatives who have supported Donald Trump, well, it's the media's fault. And at some point, the administration has to own up to this. I'm not sure it is the media's fault. Maybe uh, some of it, but certainly not all of it. So, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just worry that these pe- these people leave. <laughs> And the the picks start getting a little worse, a little worse, a little worse, because those are the only types of people who want to be around Donald Trump. And I remind you, going back to the nomination season, of the people that Donald Trump had around him. Katrina Pearson, what happened to her, by the way? What is she doing now? Is she does is she anywhere? I've not seen her in a news article in months. I don't know. It seems to me, my impression, as soon as Kellyanne Conway got involved in the campaign, Katrina Pearson was out. Uh, maybe that's just a coincidence. I don't know anything, any inside information on that, but that's the way I remember it. As soon as Kellyanne Conway got in, Katrina Pearson was gone. She'd been shipped to like Alaska or something, maybe to be spokesman for Sarah Palin or something. I don't know. But... Remember the people that Donald Trump had around him in the nomination process. He had choices of anybody that he could pick in any of his industries, anybody he ran across in Hollywood, anywhere, and those were the people he picked. Katrina Pearson, Corey Lewandowski, etc. And it very well could be that the cabinet that you see right now It's safe to say that this cabinet will not be the same, I'm going to even guess, four years from now. And my expectation is that whoever takes some of these people's places are going to be worse. It's going to be worse. Now, having said that, um, and I'm not saying that Harward 
would be a worse pick, but he wouldn't have been. But he's not going to serve, so it doesn't matter anything. He's not going to serve. He doesn't want the position. It doesn't matter who you ask. It only matters who takes the position. So we'll see how the who the 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 person who actually takes Flynn's place. We'll see how well this person does. And I saw even General Petraeus's name in a list of possible candidates. Are we really going to do that again? Is it not enough? That he gave secret information to this chick that he was banging. Forgive my French. Is it not enough? Are we not done with him? Can we not just let him continue on his way? Uh, To me, he would be a worse pick than Mike Flynn. Given his actions uh, regarding that information. But that's what I mean. I think you're going to end up with somebody who is less competent than Mike Flynn, and I didn't even think much of Mike Flynn. I think that he got picked because he's very much like Donald Trump, as I already stated. So it seems like this good guy, this retired rear admiral, vice admiral, I'm sorry, vice admiral, isn't. he's not doing it. He's going to continue doing what he's doing, and I have to say, if I was to ask, I'd do the same thing. No, uh, President Trump, I'm going to stick here in the, in the private sector. Thanks. Now, speaking of picks, you know that uh, the labor pick, Andrew Puzder, which is like the weirdest name ever, weirdest last name ever, Puzder, P-U-Z-D-E-R. He, I mean, after saying that he wasn't going to withdraw his nomination, was not going to withdraw from being picked by the Senate, being chosen, appointed by the Senate, uh, he is backed out, and he was just a, a ball of controversy, a ball of uh, drama, I should say. At one point, his wife went on to Oprah and claimed that she had been abused by him. He at one point claimed that robots were better than people, which may be the case in some instances, in many instances. But I don't know if that's something that you want to get out and say there. If you're you're in a position where you might be nominated to Secretary of Labor of the United States, so he kind of there's that weird thing. And then he had employed at one point a housekeeper who was not an American citizen, and you after all of this you wonder how he could ever get picked by the administration by Donald Trump to hold the Secretary of Labor position. You wonder how that happens. It's kind of strange. So if he's finally, I think somebody woke up and there was enough pressure on him that he backed out. But now we have this guy, and I've told you, I don't believe that this wall is ever going to happen. I had a story at the beginning of the week that uh, you know, some geologists have gone down there to the border and checked everything out in these areas where there is no wall and said, you know what, it's going to be a little p- tough to put a wall in some of these places. Going to be really, really tough. Not saying you can't do it, but it's going to be way more expensive than you think. And who knows uh, how well it'll be able to be constructed because you got marshes, you got rocks, you just have all of these places that, uh, let's just admit it, uh, 
the earth never planned for walls to be built in those areas. <laughs> you know, it's like saying you want to build a wall across the Grand Canyon. I guess you could build a bridge across the Grand Canyon and, and everything, but it's not going to be as easy as the president, Donald Trump, has made it out to be. Well, given that Alex Acosta, A-C-O-S-T-A, is the next pick to be Secretary of Labor, he's a big amnesty guy. He... he I have to I looking at his credentials. I know that he was a clerk for Sam Alito, justice on the Supreme Court now, and not as conservative as you like. He was the dean of a law school at Florida International, but it certainly does seem and I got this information from the Independent Sentinel, which I don't believe was a site I've ever been to before, that he's not that conservative when it comes to immigration. He believes in amnesty, believes in easy immigration. So you tell me how you – if immigration – it's and it's been Republicans and particularly conservatives who have attached this immigration issue to employment in the United States. You tell me how it's going to get better if you have a the secretary of labor who believes in amnesty and easy immigration. And keep in mind, he is being appointed. He's being selected. Once again, Donald Trump and his, and his people could have picked anybody out there, any American citizen. In fact, I don't even know if you have to be an American citizen to be in a cabinet position. I don't know what the criteria is, the constitutional criteria, I should say. Um, could have picked anybody. Picked this guy. Didn't pick somebody who's involved in labor economics uh, has experience in that that's tough on immigration or anything, picks this guy. And you, you wonder what's going on. Is this, once again, as many people have written, is this a way that Donald Trump wants to play off some of his cabinet members against others, like he seems to do with his chief of staff, with Rance... Rance Priebus and Steve Bannon allegedly, you know, being two definitely different types of guys and playing them off against each other. And that was something I think I talked about last week, how Donald Trump wants to be seen as the guy who comes in and makes nice with everybody. So he needs this kind of controversy so he can be seen as as the fixer. So is this one of those types of picks? Is this. Alex Acosta meant to be in a position so he can play off some other cabinet member who is really tough on immigration. Maybe somebody in Homeland Security or the Defense Department or uh, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General. Is is that the point that is trying to be made here? Um, you just wonder how many of those loyal, loyal, loyal Trump supporters – are they going to attack this nominee or are they going to go along with it because it's Trump making the decision? Or they're just saying, ah, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean anything. He's going to do what Donald Trump says. Well, maybe. I mean, I've made that point that in the end, the, uh, no matter what we make about these cabinet members, I think ultimately 
they're going to have to listen to their boss, and if they don't do what he thinks, they're going to you know, be in trouble. If they make him look bad, they're going to be in trouble. Well, you can't have it both ways for you people out there. You can't say on one hand, well, yeah, uh, uh, Jeff Sessions is a good pick, and he'll be able to keep Trump, Donald Trump under control, and Jeff Sessions is a good conservative, and he'll set Trump right. You know, he'll, he'll, you know he'll, he'll show Trump what needs to be done, and all Trump needs are some advisors around him. But on the other hand, you say, well, Alex Acosta, well, he'll listen to Donald Trump. He'll change his ways. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. You know, if, if uh, you know, Alex Acosta's standing there and seeing all these other cabinet members getting their way, Jeff Sessions, Aileen Chow, and they're kind of being allowed to kind of freelance, and Donald Trump is just letting them do what they do. But then Alex Acosta knows that Donald Trump's coming down his, you know, his back every time about, hey, Alex, I think you're being a little too light here on these immigration talks, and I don't know if I like you going out there and making that speech about how we should um, give amnesty to all these people here illegally. You know, at some point, Alex Acosta is going to be like, hey, why don't you treat me like you treat all these other cabinet members? So this is very confusing. It's a little hard to understand uh, what's going on. Uh, I happen to believe that probably – Alex Acosta's credentials and amnesty and all that, probably not as big a deal as some people are going to make it out to be. I think they're making a big deal out of it at independent uh, this independent Sentinel uh, site. On the other hand, I think that some other people are going too far and saying, well, these other ones, they're just going to have free, you know, he's just going to let them do what they want and they're good conservatives, Jeff Sessions, General Mattis. They're good leaders, and Trump's going to let them do what they want. I don't believe that either. I think it's going to be a mixture of both the whole way across the board, and that's why I don't think you can get too excited or too downtrodden about any of these picks. But you have to remember something. Ultimately, it's in Donald Trump's hands. And if he doesn't like what they're doing, he's going to let them go and put somebody else there, which may mean replacing some of the picks that you really, really like. And I just want you to know how you're going to feel about that. I got to go to the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The voice of American conservatism. WRS Digital. Red State Talk Radio. And we are back at America's Conservative Podcast. Let's move on. Let's see if we can get through the rest of this stuff before uh, the weekend gets here. Uh, I read this article, and it's Politico, so you can judge it for what it, for however you want to do it. You can choose to believe it, not believe it, agree with it. But Jeff Zucker at CNN is saying that morale at CNN is actually being boosted by all the attacks that Trump has, has made against it and these other media sites that are seen as being mainstream media in contrast to, of course, all of those media sites, media companies, websites, people who Trump likes. And see, this has uh, always been a fear regarding media in the United States and how conservatives have approached it for a long time. See – The problem that – 
I think conservatives convinced themselves of – and I have to admit I fell into this thinking at one time a while ago myself. I just want you to know that. All right. When I come to this microphone, I realize that I am just as likely to uh, make mistakes and have the wrong thoughts as any other conservative out there. I think the difference, though, is over the years, my ideas have changed. I think I'm more correct now than I was then. I really believe that. And I think that we convinced ourselves at some point, I don't know what year that would have been. I don't know what day it was or anything. But we convinced ourselves by attacking the media that either we could put them out of business or we could get them to change and or we somehow we could get people to stop watching them. And there is no doubt that when you look at the ratings of for example, Fox News compared to CNN, MSNBC, the rest of them, uh, that Fox News is more popular. Okay. The problem we never really wanted to talk about is that these companies are never going to out of, going to out of, go out of business. Yes, newspapers in the United States are losing um, subscriptions, mainly because of the internet. Okay, but I think also maybe because of some of them being so liberal, so out of whack. It's a possibility, and I've told you over and over. You look at a lot of these places where liberals get their news. It's hard to figure, you know, where are they getting their news? The Wall Street Journal, which is kind of conservative, subscription rate is going up. The New York Times is going down. How do you explain that? Who knows? But I think we convinced ourselves that we could change them or we could put them out of business or or, or something like that, forgetting that you know, liberals and people who want news that is the opposite of Fox News, is the opposite of what Breitbart.com used to be, the opposite of what the Drudge Report used to be, the opposite of National, National Review is. There's a lot of people like that. We know that in the last election, Hillary Clinton got almost 66 million votes. Whether you think that some of them are fake – Let's just say that there were 6 million votes that were fake. That's still 60 million people in the United States who don't probably want to have anything to do with Fox News and find their news elsewhere. Now, you tell me as conservatives how we're going to put those other news media sites out of business when there are 60 million potential customers. Hmm? You tell me how that's going to happen. 60 million is... One-fifth of the population in the United States, roughly, a little under one-fifth of the population. And of the adult population, what would it be? One-half? Roughly something or, or way more than that. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Maybe or one-third. I don't know. Now, you tell me what the goal was. If the goal was just to let people know that, hey, these media people that you've been following for all these years, CBS, NBC, ABC, uh, you know, they're crooked. They aren't telling you the truth. They're, they're not necessarily absolute 100% liars, 
but they don't give you the whole story. And it's biased in a leftward position. Well, we've been doing that for 30-some years, and it really hasn't changed the landscape. I mean, I know that the polls are, uh, regarding news, uh, are not that great, but they're still here. That's what matters. They're still here. And in fact, when you go onto the internet, if you really want to get down to it, the CNN.com site, and we know more and more news is going to the internet. It's moving away from TV. It's moving away from print media. It's going to the internet. I got to tell you something. The CNN.com website is way more popular than the Fox News site. It's not even close. It's not even close. Yes, Fox News may get more viewers on TV. CNN is kicking their butt on the internet, which these days is what really matters. And it also has been pointed out that the average Fox viewer is like 68 years old or something. So having said all that, and I want to remind you of all that, you have Jeff Zucker saying that all these attacks against CNN have actually boosted morale. And see, this is what I was I've been afraid of for years. You don't make these people go away by making fun of them. It's always been perplexing to me. See, you go back to the early 80s. There was no what you would call conservative news. Yes, there was, was the Weekly Standard around at that time. Yes, there was Human Events. There was National Review. But conservatism as... Uh, as a news source, a little tough to find. A lot harder to find then than it is now. Still, Ronald Reagan wasn't out there attacking the news media. I'm not saying that there weren't other people in his administration who didn't do that, but he knew, I think, and it probably helped him coming from the world of entertainment, that he probably understood it the, the business a little bit better than most other presidents did to that point. That it doesn't pay to attack these people. They, you know, Ronald Reagan, I think, knew, you know what? They just think differently than I do. It's just the way it is. And the truth is that when I start calling them out and getting into public disagreements with them, really, I'm, as the president of the United States, saying, that they're on my level. Or I'm getting down to their level as President of the United States. And both of those things are wrong. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we know how Ronald Reagan handled the press. It was a little bit of a jokey joke with him. He answered questions, but he always threw in a couple jokes, self-deprecating jokes about his age and, and everything else. And he waded through these interviews and said a lot and sometimes said very little, but it was not confrontational, even though I'm sure in the privacy of the Oval Office or when he was talking to Nancy, he said, I can't stand these people. But you don't give these people who oppose you ammunition. You don't give them reasons to get up every day and fire them up. This is exactly what Donald Trump is doing. And dare I say it, it's something that I think 
conservative media has been doing against the the alternate media, the, the well, not alternate, but the other side of the media aisle for a long time. You know, instead of us just worrying about politics and issues and everything, we've actually, and this is this has been wrong, we've actually convinced ourselves that the reason people are liberal in the United States is because of the media. I'm telling you it's not. It's because of our education system that everybody's liberal. All right? And media just continues it. That's all it does. And you're never going to put the media out of business because they do have viewers out there. They do have listeners, and they know how to get to people just like conservative outlets do. It's like thinking that General Motors can put Ford out of business. The only company that can put Ford out of business is Ford by making crappy cars and and everything else, no matter what General Motors does and says about them. People, there are always going to be people who are going to buy Ford cars, and if the Ford cars really, really, really get crappy, that's when they'll start buy, stop buying them. And the point is, is that I don't know if there's anything we as conservatives could ever really do about the media, the liberal media bias in this country. Because I think all we've done is fire them up, and Donald Trump is making it worse. Now these people get up today every day. Maybe they don't even like their jobs. They would rather be doing something else. But being that they don't like Donald Trump and everything he said about them, that gives them reason to get up every day and work maybe 20% harder. So while all of you are enjoying, oh, did you see what he said about CNN? Oh, that was so funny. Hey, I got, a, I got a, uh, a, a, uh, some truth for you, a fact for you. It doesn't matter if you're you find something humorous or not. It only matters if it works. You know, Donald Trump and all of this going on, it's not meant to amuse you. It's not to create some drama in your life so you have something to talk about. This is real stuff we're talking about. All that matters is what works and what doesn't. And I think you're going to find that although you are, you know, amused by it, and you get fired up about it, it fires up the other side just as much. You think it's demoralizing to them. If you really believe that, then I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> you know, to them, this is like this is like post, what, what's it called? Um, chalkboard material or poster board material you talk about like in the NFL when before a week, days before the big game, a player says something about the other team. Oh, they're wimpy, or you know, they don't know. You know, we're going to kick their butts and everything. And that automatically, that statement goes up on the bulletin board of the other team. That's what Donald Trump is doing to the media in this country. He's giving them all sorts of bulletin board material. The funny thing is, you know, when your favorite football team does that and your favorite player does that, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. But then when it's Donald Trump, you love it. What's the difference? Because there is no difference. There is no difference. And he's just firing these people up. And the problem is we know that there are probably stories about Donald Trump that we don't even know about yet. But guess what? 
They're going to really, really want to find them now. Just don't give your enemy any ammunition. Don't give them a reason to come out of their trenches, to come out of their foxholes. Just allow them to be little comfortable in there and just, oh, that's CNN. I just love them so much. I don't agree with them much, of course, but they have a job to do, and I have a job to do, and uh, I realize that our our, uh, relationship for the next four years is going to be confrontational probably, and that's just something you live with. That's just something you expect when you become president of the United States. That's just the way it is, and just leave it at that. But because Donald Trump is a showman and he loves the drama and he, and he loves those little things they do right before the commercials to make you stay through the commercial to see what happens on the other side, this is what he does. He keeps you all wanting more. Not realizing that, he, that he's killing his administration in the process. Hmm? You know, this, you have to look at this from the opposite side. All of these liberal politicians that have said things about Fox News, that said things about Megyn Kelly, that said things about Sean Hannity before you know he became an absolute hack, about Bill O'Reilly, about all, all Brett Baer, whoever else. Do you think that liberals making fun of them over the years has made them afraid? Do you think making fun of them and calling names and saying they're liars and making threats and everything has made Fox News back down? No, it, it, they're still here. There's still a, a lot of them still doing fine jobs. Some of them aren't, but they're still here. So I don't know why you would think that Donald Trump doing the same thing against CNN was going to make them disappear when we know that Fox News hasn't. <laughs> you know? I don't get it. So I believe that this Politico story, I believe that Jeff Zucker has a point. Has a point. In fact, probably what Donald Trump is doing, he's giving CNN and these other media outlets more tension than any president has, including Barack Obama. You know, people may say, well, you know, Donald Trump's complaining so much about what's going on at CNN these days. What the hell is going on over there? What is he complaining about? He's only going to increase their viewership, not decrease it. I think of the old story about Howard Stern back in the 1980s. <laughs> um, you know, they found out, and I think this is in the Howard Stern movie, that here he was, he was doing all these crazy things that had never been done on the radio before. And the people who liked him were listening for a total of an hour, you know, in his three-hour, four-hour show. The people who hated him were listening for an hour and a half, and they were actually, it was the people who hate him that were actually increasing his ratings. This is what's going on with Donald Trump. <laughs> and I think too many people are, I don't know if they're stupid. I just don't know if they think through this. I think that they, they automatically say, I like it, so it must be good. I laugh at it, so it must be good. It's entertaining. I like what Donald – he's finally saying the stuff that other people should have been saying for years. Well, maybe the reason these other people didn't say it for years is because they knew it wasn't going to help them. Maybe. You dismissed it as them being wimpy. Maybe the reason they didn't knew it, they didn't do it is because they knew, they knew it wasn't going to get them anywhere. 
you know, it's once again, it's not all about your enjoyment and what you personally think to be done should be done. So you can go on Twitter and you can say to your friends, man, Donald Trump, he really nailed those that CNN uh, guy today, didn't he? Yeah, all the while CNN ratings are going up. <laughs> you know, all the while more CNN is getting even more and more attention. I, I don't know. I just, at some point, and once again, I think this is the reason this has happened is over a period of years. I think that um, we've taken. The, I think maybe going back to the late the eighties into the nineties. It made sense to attack the media just to let people know that what people were getting were were not was not the whole truth. At some point, I think you have to get away from that. We now have a couple generations of people who have lived through that, and maybe it's trying to change our arguments a little bit. And Donald Trump is still trying to do something that might have worked in 1993. Not now. Not now. Let's move on to something else. Along those lines, I see this saying in uh, when I go to the gym, and I, I just want you to know I'm looking fantastic these days. I'm growing my hair long, but I'm going to the gym, playing disc golf, feel great. Look great even though I almost died a couple weeks ago from an asthma attack. But there's a saying about how character doesn't – or tough times don't build character. They re- it reveals it, and it's been interesting in the last year to watch – this divergence that the way that, for example, Sean Hannity reacts, has reacted toward people who have opposed him, all of these nasty things that he has said on Twitter. In contrast to somebody like Jonah Goldberg, who has been attacked probably 10 times as much, being a part of National Review, being a part of a group of conservatives who haven't gone along with Donald Trump, who didn't vote for him along with a bunch of people, Rich Lowry, Kevin Williamson, Charles C.W. Cook, all these people. Can Charles, Charles, Charles C.W. Cook even vote in an election anyway? Is he an American citizen? And in any case, all those people at National Review, for example, who um, you know, haven't been on the Trump train, were never Trump people, and it's interesting. I've listened to from some uh, things from Jonah Goldberg and everything that he's gone through, and he's still laughing about it. He's making fun of it. <coughs> you never see him get nasty on any interview that he does. You never see him get nasty on Twitter. It just doesn't happen. And in that way, I think that I've really underestimated how good of a guy for example, Jonah Goldberg is. He is a good guy. Not always right, but a good guy with solid character. He's been through a lot of tough times, he and everybody else at National Review, and still these days, he has a sense of humor, he's making jokes, he's doing interviews, he's not dropping F-bombs and everything else. He's not getting nasty. You contrast that with Sean Hannity with Lar Ingram, with Ann Coulter, who have also been attacked because of them going along with Donald Trump, but much to a much, much, much lesser extent. It's one-tenth of, I think, probably what Jonah Goldberg and others have put up with. And you see how they've acted. The nastiness that they have shown 
over even since Donald Trump. It's not even good enough that Donald Trump has become president, got elected back in November, president-elect and now president. It's not good enough. They still have to continue on their rants and attack people and, and question these never-Trump people. They just have to give up. They just have to throw in the towel. Don't they know that Donald Trump's the president now and that's just the way it is and you're just going to have to get behind him? And we know, uh, you know, what was it, last week, the week before, uh, regarding Laura Ingram and what she said about Neil Gorsuch and, you know, um, William Pryor and that other guy, they would have known better than to say anything about Donald Trump and you tell you what, this, these, these tough times on the conservative side are certainly revealing people's character and what really truly lies underneath. Underneath all of the, the advertisements for you know reverse mortgages and selling gold and fancy beds and mattresses, we are certainly getting down to who these people really are. Strip away everything that they've said on their shows and what they've written. Who they are is people when it's, and you're starting to realize that some of them, you know what? Even though they've gone out and done stuff for the troops and done this and done that, when it comes right down to it, they do have some nasty sides. And they are people who lack character. They are horrible losers. They are ungracious winners. They do not respect independence of thought. And they're willing to sell out any time for you know, some leader, for another buck, for another listener, for another follower. And that's why I give credit, once again, to somebody like Jonah Goldberg who's out there. Is probably known as a never-Trumper as well as anybody else on the conservative side who can do these interviews, can write his articles, and just put it plainly. Uh, once again, I don't always agree with him, but he shows character uh, in what he does. And he, he is not like them. He is not like Milo and Lara and Ann and Sean and, dare I say it, Rush and others. But I gotta go. It's time for the weekend. You can find the show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern on the Prime Channel on RedStateTalkRadio.com. You can also find it on Automatic Talk about my other show at the beginning of this show, Unfound. New episode coming out today. Find it on iTunes. Subscribe. Give the show a nice review if you feel like it. I gotta go. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. Have a nice weekend.